It was a very cruel scene. Executed in an unusual manner. Coven. Hi, sweet little dumplings. Welcome to Cruel and Unusual, the podcast. I'm Tori. I'm Katie. Here the fuck we are again for another fabulous, thrilling, beautiful, wonderful, spectacular show. You sounded like Lady Gaga in that one interview she did. Have yeah, you ever seen that? I have seen it. It's been a while, but I, w- I definitely was trying to channel my inner Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. <laughs> God. How has your week been, Katie? I couldn't tell you. Same. Um, homeschooling. Mm. Well, technically e-learning. Yeah. Um, but it might as well be homeschooling. It might as well be. It's Labor Day, so there's no school today, and there's no school Friday. Oh. And I, I think I'm more excited than the children. Yeah. Because I have to do less work now. <laughs> right. Right. It's wonderful. It's going okay. It's it's all right. I don't know. There's just yeah. a lot. There's a lot to remember. I bet. And think about and look at mm-hmm. and remember to look at and remember to think about. That sounds it's really just, bad. It is. Yeah. This fucking COVID shit, man. I know. It needs to get the fuck out of here. I'm, I'm done. We're, it's overdue. It's way overdue. God, it's been here too damn long. It's overstayed. It's welcome. Honestly, it was okay for March, April, even May, but come on. We're almost, we're, <laughs> we're in September. Yeah. We're in spooky season Mm, i got my halloween stuff i saw that in your story so excited love that for you i don't even know if i'm going to decorate this year because i just can't mentally make myself do one more god damn thing plus i'm supposed to be mowing the lawn more (laughs) so um (laughs) do you want to know how i am doing this yes i would love to know please tell me um i'm okay Okay. <laughs> Took me a moment. All right. I'm sure my therapist will ask me tomorrow and it'll be the same kind of thing. I think I'm okay. I had a very, yeah. I didn't have a great Saturday night. Right. Had a wonderful 10 miler on the Peloton bike. Nice. In case you guys didn't know, I've started using the Peloton that we paid a billion dollars for and I feel great about it. That's good. It's a mood it's, boost. It really is. I think mm-hmm. that it's helping with my overall mood. My aura is shifting a little bit. It might be a little bit more white or green now instead of black and yellow. <laughs> Not really sure. Does your um, butt hurt? No. Oh, good. But Did when I first thing? got it, yes, I couldn't even do that motherfucker. Yeah. It hurt my goddamn ass so bad. I could cry. <laughs> I did maybe two miles mm-hmm. when we first got it. And I, I was like, I'm never getting on that fucking thing again. Yeah. Th- that's a waste of your money, Rory. Um, <laughs> but he got this really nice, thick, padded cushion from amazon.com not sponsored but we should be because we spend all of our hard earned money there but now i've started recently just over the past week getting back into it and i've worked myself up to 10 miles and i'm feeling fucking good good about that and i'm also wearing my fitbit <laughs> look I didn't at me even go mm-hmm. i'm using I, my my little machine too yeah. my, my my squat machine yes it's that good. is gonna be great mm-hmm. for you anyway i'm sure you have a headline for me i have a headline okay what is it tell me all of the well dates. you know about this people in our facebook group probably yes. know about this because we were talking about it the other day so this is from LaSalle county illinois oh. LaSalle county which is like the next county over from us mm-hmm. um in peru la sa peru mm-hmm. um so there is the serial killer who is in prison in Ohio named Delmas Colvin. And this is from, I'm going to kind of read 
straight from the article. It's from WGLC.net. It does not say who wrote the article, but I'm going to read this to you now. It'll be linked in the show notes yeah. anyway, your source. Yeah, oh. we'll, we'll link this in the show notes. It doesn't say who wrote this article. But, quote, LaSalle, authorities are investigating a former truck wash and bones found along May Road in Peru. I know exactly where this is. Mm-hmm. Ah, and it may be connected to statements made by an incarcerated serial killer in a podcast released last week. Phil Chalmers, who is a Florida profiler... He interviewed 61-year-old Delmas Colvin via phone from an Ohio prison. He released an episode on his podcast. It's called Where the Bodies Are Buried, which I would love to listen to. I haven't listened to this one yet, but I, I need to. I haven't either, but I um, added it to my favorites after we mm-hmm. found this, after this all blew up the other yeah. day. This episode was released last Tuesday. Um, in the interview, Colvin claims in his own words to have met a woman at a truck stop in LaSalle on a rainy night and said that he drove behind an old truck wash and left her body there without clothes. God. He goes on to claim he took the clothing in a garbage bag to Council Bluffs, Iowa. Side note, that's where Farah from Teen Mom <laughs> grew up. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know why I know that. I don't know why you fucking know that either. I'm a vessel of useless information. You truly are. He described the victim as a white female with dirty blonde hair. Colvin said it was during a weekday when he left her in a wooded area he described as some distance from the road. Colvin has been accused of at least seven murders from 1987 to 2005. LaSalle County Sheriff Tom Templeton said the investigation will continue on a later date and two bones found during the search will be analyzed by the Illinois State Police. According to Chalmers, the podcast host... Colvin claims to have killed as many as 57 women while he was traveling the country as a truck driver. God. Isn't that insane? Also, I read another article about this. It said that they're not even sure if they are animal bones or human bones. Yeah, sure. But So we're going to be waiting for news on that, and we will update you if if anything comes of it. Yeah. I just thought that was so wild. Over in the group is where you're going to get the first updates. Come in our group. Come in. We've told you... 30 something times. Our door is open. You don't even need to mm, knock. I am fucking open, ready, willing, and waiting for you. And able. <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I, too, have a headline today for you, Katie. Suck it to me. My article is from people.com. It's very sad, but it's also very heroic mm-hmm. as well. So this article from people.com the headline is quote 12 year old minnesota girl's aunt calls her a hero for protecting infant niece during shooting Mm -hmm. okay quote michaela salter is being celebrated as a hero after she recently took a bullet to the head oh baby Mm -hmm. while protecting her 18 month old niece during a shooting (sighs) give you a minute let that sink in that is a 12 year old baby Mm -hmm. was protecting an 18 month old baby during a shooting how fucking horrifying yeah okay quote on august 30th a 48 year old minnesota man whom police later identified as jason michael mesh fatally shot his wife angela mesh before shooting michaela 12 her sister kanisha salter 29 who lived next door according to a statement from police in bloomington Michaela and Kanisha were helping their aunt load a moving truck at the time of the shooting. They had been shot while in their front yard, which Mm -hmm. is on the same block as a deceased victim, 
which is the woman he was trying to shoot initially, Mm -hmm. police say in a previous statement. At the time of the shooting, Michaela was holding Kanisha's infant daughter, so her sister's infant daughter, Winter, when the teen was shot in the head while trying to run away from the gunman, according to Today, which reported the authorities found Michaela on the ground cradling the unharmed baby Mm. upon arrival to the scene. She was found on the ground cradling this baby that, who uh, was uh, totally unharmed. Yeah. 100% fine because of her. Mm-hmm. As of Thursday, when this article went out, the Bloomington police had made a statement. They had said that Michaela was definitely in critical condition and Kanisha was in serious condition. And Kanisha had multiple gunshot wounds to the legs. Ugh. Michaela's was to the head. Mm-hmm. Now, this People article confirmed on the Thursday that the article was released that the man, the shooter, is being held on one million bail on one count of murder and two counts of attempted murder. Wow. Now, there is a GoFundMe campaign set up. Now, the campaign goal is $500,000. They are almost to $104,000. Wow. Okay. Um, it was created six days ago. The last update is from September 1st, and both women were still alive at this point. Wow. Yeah. She got shot in the fucking head. Yeah. A 12-year-old. That's insane. Ugh. So it says that Michaela, the 12-year-old who mm-hmm. who saved that 18-month-old's life, yeah. is, quote-unquote, progressing as expected, according to the doctors. She okay. is still in critical condition, it says. She's not in a coma, but she's very highly sedated. Okay. Um, looking very promising, but it's if, if and hopefully she does live, it's going to be a very long road to recovery. Oh, yeah. And she was shot in the fucking head. And mm-hmm. these two women are going to have crazy medical bills. Oh, yeah. So when I get done with this, I'm going to go donate what I can. I'm going to put this in the description and I will share this on social media on Thursday when this episode drops. So in just a couple of days. And if anybody had, I mean, two bucks, three bucks, mm-hmm. four bucks, it, anything will, yeah. will matter to these to this family. Yeah. If you can't donate, you can share it. Mm-hmm. That Absolutely. helps a lot. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, that's my article. So super fucking sad, disgusting. Yeah. These fucking men and their guns and their attempts to fucking kill their wives. Fuck you. Just fuck you. That's all. Yep. Um, But at the same time, Michaela is a hero. Yeah, she fucking is. And Kanisha is is a survivor. Yep. And that baby is a survivor. Mm -hmm. All because of Michaela. Exactly. So that's what I got. That's all I got for you today. Okay, we have a QOTD, which, you know, I was thinking about this last night. It should be a QOTW, question of the week. Oh, question of the week. Right? That's true. Let's not change it, though. Let's just leave it. Okay. (laughs) We're doing some fucking QOTDs once a goddamn week. We're real smart. Okay. This question is from The Cat Savage. The Cat Savage. (gasps) The Cat Savage. In our Facebook group. And she wants to know... If you knew you were going to die, what would your last meal be? Um. Okay, you tell me first. Okay, I made a list. Yes, I did mine. not. So that's why I thought yeah. you're more organized. I so. want to preface this by saying that I'm not a foodie. No. I love food, but I don't like actively seek out fancy like new recipes and meals and places to eat and like food that looks all pretty for Instagram. And cooking is one of the worst aspects of my life. True. So, I love food. I love to eat, but I'm not like, you're not going to get anything fancy from me. I'm going to make a reservation at four down at the fancy at diner. You know where? 
Maumaison. 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 We're going to go to Maumaison. Maumaison. Okay. Okay. So, this is my last meal list. Okay. A pint. A pint. Of Hagen dazs coffee ice cream. Ooh. It's my fave. Yes, it is. It, I, I gained like 70 pounds my first pregnancy eating one of those every night. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But somehow did not get gestational diabetes. I didn't. You, you fucking bypassed that shit. I did. Okay. Fresh, hot, movie theater popcorn with all of the chemical butter. Yes. And salt. Yes. Lay's chips. Mm-hmm. My party size. Party chips. size is a must, must. for you. Because it's half air. Come on. We all know this. Don't judge. True. And French onion chip dip. Mm-hmm. Chicken Romano and salad from Turtles mm-hmm. with a double baked potato. Ooh, yeah. A beef and cheddar croissant and cheese fries from Portillo's. <gasps> I don't know where I'm going to put all this, oh, but my God. Doesn't it, it sound so it good? Won't matter it won't matter. Dead. It won't mm-hmm. matter. Um, a McDonald's Coke. Oh, fuck me in the yeah. ass. I love McDonald's. <laughs> Look at your screen how loud that went. <laughs> I got very serious about that. My God, I haven't had one in so yep. long. It's been a week. But that, that's my list. Those are like my top things. And then like if I'm about to be executed, they won't even need to because my sodium levels will be so high. That You'll I'll execute yourself. Over. Yeah. yeah. And it it'll be worth it. it. <laughs> they won't even have to waste the expensive no, drug on you. I'll save them money. I didn't make a list. It's okay. I didn't even think about it until right now. In true fashion for you. True fucking fashion. <laughs> and if I had made a list, I would have already lost it. Yeah. So, okay. You saying Portillo's cheese fries gave me mm. life because you know that's all I ate. When I was pregnant with Nora, Yeah. every single day, I went to good old Shorewood. Yeah. And I stopped at the Wendy's and I got 12 <laughs> chicken nuggets. Oh, you can get 12? Well, two Sixers. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I went around... <laughs> the corner mm-hmm. to portillo's and i got a large cheese fry and a large coke mm-hmm. now do not recommend the the pop at or soda whatever the fuck at portillo's it's it pop. fucking sucks i've never it's really ju- noticed it being bad oh. I don't know. it's nothing <laughs> like mcdonald's well no um so but i got it because i didn't want to go to three fast food places <laughs> on my lunch hour let's just Ooh, I was already kind of getting carried away. But anyway, yeah, that's literally... I, we were convinced that Nora was going to come out a chicken nugget. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, large cheese fry from Portillo's. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say 12 ch- Wendy's chicken nuggets. I haven't All had right. those in a long time. Okay. I really, like, overdid it when I was pregnant. <laughs> uh, definitely a large Coke because you fucking know, with extra ice. Mm-hmm. That I love a nice, crisp, cold as fuck, heavy because of the ice mcdonald's coke yeah yeah um i also love aurelio's pizza really love oh i would have to get mozzarella sticks yeah because i could eat my weight in those solid choice and i would dip those in the portillo's cheese sauce really Mm -hmm. so fucking good a cheese stick and cheese sauce Uh uh-huh wow Uh Ooh. speaking of that a bosco (laughs) stick in cheese sauce is heaven in my goddamn mouth. What's a Bosco stick? Bosco stick. It's like a breadstick with cheese in it. Oh, okay. You know? All right. And it has like little um, Parmesan bits on top. Okay. Oh my God, babes in Joliet has them. <laughs> so good. Okay. Our podcast is now just going to be about food. Yes. And I'm on a diet. Yeah. <laughs> Don't fucking at me for saying I'm on a diet. That's what it is. It's not a lifestyle change. It's a diet. Okay. <laughs> a that, diet. Let's call it what it is. It's a diet. Um. Anyway, sorry. If you guys call it lifestyle change, that's totally fine for you. But I call it a diet because I'm calling it for what it is. And okay. we're done apologizing now. Done so. apologizing. <laughs> um. Is there anything else that I would eat? 
Mm, probably. I'm just not thinking about it. Yeah. I would have to eat a king size Reese's. Yeah. Something sweet I would add on would be like a really good, like real strawberry cheesecake. Yeah. I could give you a whole list if I wanted to, <laughs> but I feel like we've, this is also like COVID out, out, out welcomed itself. Go. Yes. Bye. Okay. So we have some stories for you today. They both involve multiple victims. They're both unsolved. That Yours is unsolved, are. right? Yes. Yeah. And I'm going to go first. I'm talking about the unsolved Lane Bryant murders. Which is exciting to me because mm-hmm. this was a very big case yeah. that my parents talked about a lot. Yeah. But I don't know it was right by us. It. Yeah. It's yeah. so close to home. Mm-hmm. It's the morning of Saturday, February 2nd, 2008. And it's freezing outside. Below freezing, actually. You know how I February is here. Me too. I love it. The temperature was sitting right around 20 degrees that morning in Tinley Park, Illinois. God, it's so close. Mm-hmm. Um, Tinley Park, if you don't know, because a lot of our listeners are not from here. Right. It is a southwest suburb of Chicago. Mm-hmm. It's maybe like 40 minutes from us-ish. Yeah. Ish. And stuff like this just didn't happen. Right. You still, It still doesn't really. It's, no. It's a safe community. It's supposed right. to be a safe community. So on that morning, February 2nd, 2008, 42-year-old Rhoda McFarland goes into work at the Lane Bryant clothing outlet in Brookside Marketplace, where she's the store manager. Now, Lane Bryant, I don't think they're, I think it's just a U.S.-based store. It's a women's plus-size clothing store. They're all over in malls, like strip malls, stuff like that. Now, Rhoda isn't supposed to be at work on this particular day, but she knew that corporate had just mailed out flyers letting customers know that the store was having this big clearance sale, so she knew it was going to be busy. There's only a skeleton crew scheduled, and that, combined with it being Saturday and the sale, she decides to head in and help out so her employees don't get overwhelmed, because that's just the kind of person she was. Oh, sweetie. Yeah. Rhoda's brother told the Chicago Tribune, quote, Rhoda was a great person. She'd do anything for you. If you needed a dollar and she only had a dollar, she'd give it to you without asking, end quote. God. She was even known to use her employee discount to buy clothes for people in need. Mm. Yeah, just the sweetest, like, most thoughtful person. Yeah. Rhoda grew up in Joliet, Illinois, and she came from a big family with lots of siblings. After high school, she actually joined the Air Force, where she trained for and became a nurse practitioner. Wow. After serving, she came back to Illinois, and she got really, really involved with her church in Crest Hill where you used to live. Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) Her service with the church included things like starting youth programs, helping convicts integrate back into society when they were released. She started a program for young girls that helped them prepare for becoming empowered women, prepare for becoming adults. Yeah, right. And Rhoda even became an ordained minister. God, she was a busy lady. I know. But she was also struggling with going through a divorce. And she ended up leaving her job as a minister. And she spiraled for a while. Not like really bad. But you know, it's just your whole world is thrown off your axis. Your marriage has ended. Your job has ended. So she's in her 40s now. And she's rethinking her career path. She's She's starting over. Yeah, she's trying to figure out dating again. She eventually takes a job with NICOR. It's then that she meets her boyfriend, and within a couple years, she's engaged again and looking for an, another job. So she applied at Lane Bryant on a whim, and she got the job. It was supposed to be like a stepping stone while she's trying to figure out what she wants to do next. Sure. 
it was just income in the meantime, but she got promoted quickly and she actually really enjoyed what she did. So Rhoda and a 33-year-old part-time employee whose identity has not been released to the public, so I won't be calling her by name because I don't know it, um, they opened the store at 10 a.m. that morning. It's not long before customers start coming in to shop, so just a few minutes after opening, it's Rhoda, the other employee, and two customers who are just browsing around. At 10.08, a man enters the store and says that he's attempting to make a delivery. This man is described as black, between 25 and 35 years old, average height, stocky, and clean-shaven. He's wearing a dark gray skull cap, but they can see that he has his hair in cornrows, and there's a braid that falls in front of his right ear and onto his right cheek, with four light green beads at the end of it. So, there's a little bit of small talk, things are fine, but there is some confusion about this delivery. Rhoda's talking to him, and being the manager of the store, she knows that there aren't any deliveries scheduled for that day. But this man, he's holding a stack of papers, and he's playing the part very well. He's very convincing. So Rhoda goes, and she calls another Lane Bryant location, kind of nearby, to see if like there's some sort of mix-up, and he's at the wrong store. And no one's really thinking anything of it at this point. The guy's not being aggressive or anything yeah. like that. But at one point, he looks up toward the ceiling. The unnamed employee notices that he holds his stare at the ceiling just a beat too long. There are no security cameras in the store. Oh, God. It's been 15 minutes since the man entered the store when out of nowhere, he pulls out a 40 caliber Glock handgun from his pocket and just starts screaming at the four women. He aimed the gun at Rhoda and the unnamed employee and demanded that they empty the register and hand over the cash. He says he wants the money from the register, he wants any money the women might have in their own purses or wallets, and he demands they hand over the jewelry that they're wearing. The man forces all four women into the tiny break room in the back of the store at gunpoint. He makes them empty their purses and wallets, and then he forces them to lie face down on the floor after he pulls out a roll of duct tape that he brought with him, and he makes them bind each other's wrists together. Ugh, I fucking hate uh-huh. that. Some reports say that the man sexually groped one of the women at this point, but there were no signs of any further sexual assault. Once the women are bound and on the floor, he does, however, go back out to the sales floor and take underwear from a display, and he brings them back into the break room and puts the underwear on the women's heads as a totally fucking degrading blindfold. Right. I hate that. Yeah, me too. Mm. Oh my god. So, since the front door of the store was left unlocked, and obviously outsiders have no idea what's happening inside, two more female customers Ugh. enter the store at this Honeys, point. Mm-hmm. No. Once the man realizes that they're inside, he forces them into the break room as well. One of these customers tried to fight him, and this agitated him even more, resulting in him pistol-whipping her with the butt oh, of his gun. Oh, no. When he regains control of the situation, he binds these two women's wrists and forces them onto the floor with the others. So there's Rhoda, who I talked about, there's the unnamed employee, and four customers. Sure. This has all happened over a 40-minute time frame now. From the time this guy walked in, all calm and talking about a delivery, to now, he's clearly agitated, he's spiraling, he can't seem to get himself together. And after he forces those last two women into the break room, his panic has gotten way worse. Sure. He's kind of, he's 
pacing. He's kind of in and out of the break room like he doesn't know what to do. So Rhoda sees this as an opportunity. Yeah. She's wearing a Bluetooth headset. And somehow, in the midst of all this terror, she's able to dial 911. Wow. Her call goes through to the Will County Sheriff's Department and then is transferred to the Tinley Park Police. I found the call online, which I'll share if you want to listen to it. Um, It's not the entire phone call, but you can hear Rhoda whisper, Lane Bryant, Tinley Park, please hurry. When the man realizes what Rhoda's done, you can hear him in the background yelling, I see you. I'm losing it. I fucking hate that. I hate that. I hate it. It's chilling. He's screaming. I'm losing it. So there's actually a cop only a couple hundred feet away inside his cruiser in the Target parking lot. So it's in the same Uh, shopping center. He arrives on scene in under two minutes. Wow. But he's two minutes too late. No. Fuck me. He does a sweep of the (sighs) store. And in the break room, he finds the six women shot execution style in the back of the head except the unnamed employee. She had moved her head at just the right time at the very last second, and the bullet ended up grazing her neck. She's alive. She's conscious. She played dead while the gunman fled the scene and waited for help to arrive. So within minutes, the store is teeming with cops and paramedics, and the five other women are pronounced dead right there at the scene. Oh, honeys, I hate that. Yeah. And Rhoda. Yeah. Poor Rhoda. See, that's... Oh, I can't Mm -hmm. So, that unnamed employee who survived, she was 33 at the time. She only worked weekends at the store because she was in nursing school. And she and police have chosen to keep her anonymous because they don't know if she'd still be at risk. Right. Sometimes she's called Martha in the news, which is like a pseudonym just that the reporters use. So, if you see that, then that's who it is. And the deceased are 42-year-old Rhoda McFarland, who I talked about earlier. There's 37-year-old Connie Woolfolk. She was the mother to two boys, one of which has spina bifida. She dedicated her life to her sons, but she had the rare chance to get out and go to a party. So she was in the store shopping for something to wear. God for the for damn. her big night. Connie's sister Dorothy Rice said, quote, she had a way of showing love, pure love, end quote. It's believed that Connie is the one who fought back against the gunman. Yeah. There was twenty two year old Sarah Safransky who had just graduated from NIU. She had just gotten a new job at CNA Financial Corporation in downtown Chicago, and she was there looking for new winter work clothes at the store. She uh, was described... Can you imagine how fucking exciting yes. that, it, that would have been for her? God. And she was probably so excited to go try on all of these yes. new clothes. She's got I've like, done that before. Yeah, like, I'm putting myself mm-hmm. in their shoes. She's like, got her, like, big girl job. Yeah, get a she's new doing job. It. You, oh. I literally just, real quick... When I got my my newest my new job and it was mm-hmm. like this huge pay raise, I was so proud of myself, which is yeah. a rare fucking moment. And the same day that I got the call about it, I mm-hmm. went to a strip mall store, yeah, and shopped for new like yes. business These clothes. Are things that everybody does God. that anybody could. It's fucking sad. Sarah was described by her family as bubbly, loving, smart, and a kind person. There was 33-year-old Connie Shiuso, who was a social worker for at-risk kids at Homewood Flossmoor High School, the same high school she graduated from. She was shopping for a new outfit to wear to a get-together with some old friends from college. She was a newlywed who just started talking with her husband about having children. She was a happy woman who spread joy everywhere she went. 
And then there was 34-year-old Jennifer Bishop, who worked as an ICU nurse for over 10 years at South Bend Memorial Hospital in Indiana. She was a mother of three, and she'd come to the Tinley Park area with her husband, who was attending a convention for work. Her birthday was just a few days before the shooting, and she had been gifted a Lane Bryant gift card. God. Mm-hmm. Nancy Pemberton, the supervisor at the hospital where Jennifer worked, said, quote, Memorial Hospital is a level two trauma center. These nurses take care of gunshot victims, the worst of the worst. But when it's one of your own, it's unbelievable. The intensive care nurses are in a state of shock, total disbelief, end quote. Do you imagine being the one that gave her, not, yeah. it's not this person's fault, but could you imagine being the one that gave her the Lane Bryant gift card? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just mm. imagine my, that's not I that would person's feel, fault. But no. I just know if it was me. Yeah. God. Be like, well, they wouldn't have been there if, exactly. it, if it weren't for me. God. Any loss is devastating, but these women were just bringing so much to the world. That's the thing. It's like these five beautiful, like, inspiring as fuck yeah. women who were giving so much of themselves, not only to the community, but also their family, their kids, mm-hmm. you know, people that they didn't know by being nurses. Yeah taken away yep senseless Mm -hmm. fucking senseless crime yep they were doing badass things with their lives like all of them and they were doing something as simple and innocent as shopping right for these events like god they did not fucking deserve this so the unnamed lone survivor is able to give police a description of the assailant and the brookside marketplace shopping center is placed on lockdown they check the stores closest to lane bryant first but Mm -hmm. no gunman they sweep through and clear every single store building and restaurant in the vicinity but nothing there's no sign of this guy anywhere so there's this poor guy named sean i'm just gonna throw this in here because it sucks this guy named sean Police found him just sitting in his car in the Target parking lot, and they decide that he could be their guy. He's black, you know. Oh, of course. Yep. So they... <laughs> God. So they checked the soles of his shoes because apparently the killer had left shoe prints in the snow. They detain him, and they question him for over an hour, asking, where's the gun? Where's the gun? Over and over. They ask if he took the beads out of his hair. And Sean's like, guys, no, I was sitting there waiting for my girlfriend to get done shopping at Target. I'm not your guy. In fact, video footage would end up proving that Sean and his girlfriend got to the shopping center after the shooting had already taken place. So they're back to square one. They get a helicopter to search the area to see if they could find the killer, like, hiding somewhere. They searched a pond in the area for the murder weapon, but they had no luck. Now, this shopping center sits right along I-80. I-80 terrifies me Yeah, for more than one reason. Yeah, It runs yeah. right through my town, too. Mm-hmm. It runs from New Jersey to San Francisco. And you just, you don't fucking know who's on that road and right. where they might stop off and stab their kidnapping victim at a gas station like right. what happened in my town. Right. Okay. Whew. That guy was from Oregon. Isn't that crazy? Uh-huh. Yeah. She lived. Yeah. Just so you all yeah. know. But in the case of the Lane Bryant murders, this means that not only could the assailant be from a completely different area or state or time zone and like just hopped off the interstate to randomly right. kill these women, it also means that he could have hopped right back on the interstate and be halfway to the fucking Wild West. Right. By now. Or the moon. Yeah. We don't know. You, you don't know. So they start looking at his motive, because why the fuck would he choose this women's clothing store to rob and murder in? Most of us know that smaller stores like that, they don't keep much cash on site. 
and choosing a Saturday morning of all times, that would mean like a really, really high risk for a very low reward. Right. They start looking at the victims because maybe it was more personal and it wasn't a robbery gone wrong, but they couldn't find a link between any of the victims and a man matching that description. The unnamed employee says that it didn't seem like any of the women knew knew the shooter. Like she sure. didn't see like any like glances of familiarity yeah. or anything like that. None of the victims had high risk lifestyles. They were good women. And nothing in any of their backgrounds led police to believe that this man would have held a grudge against any of them. Right. In the following days and weeks, nothing broke and police got nowhere in the investigation. But they did have a pretty reliable witness which is lucky. Right. They had a detailed description. They had DNA evidence from a coffee cup the unnamed survivor led them to. Uh-huh. She like she watched him throw it out, I think. And blood under the nails of one of the women that oh. they could run through offender databases. Yeah. A reward was set at $100,000. Lane Bryant put a lot of that up as, yeah, as a sure. company. Um, this should be fucking solvable. Right. They've got all of this, right. this evidence. A key eyewitness. Yes. Yeah. That shouldn't have lived, but right. in theory. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh-huh. that they normally would not have in an execution style mm-hmm. murder. Yeah. And they had that. Yep. So they were actively chasing leads. Tips poured in. Over 7,000 tips poured in. They combed through mug shots. They worked with the unnamed witness extensively. A composite sketch was released. And she started to recall other details as well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it took her some time of course, to work through all of this in her mind. fucking trauma. Yeah. She says the man was wearing black jeans with embroidery on the butt pockets, like a cursive G. Sure. Which some people think is like the G unit. Oh, yeah. Brand. She also said that he had very nicely manicured fingernails. Hmm. Multiple police agencies are involved. The FBI, even NASA. Wow. Surveillance cameras that sat about 300 yards from the store caught two vehicles on the morning of the shooting, a small dark SUV, and a sedan. They were parked close to the front of the store at the time of the murders, and a NASA scientist helped clarify the tapes. But unfortunately, they couldn't grab any license plate numbers. God. But this, it could have been like a getaway driver and a lookout. Right. When you think about it. Right. The evidence they ran through offender databases came up with nothing besides the fact that the DNA confirmed the sex and ethnicity of the shooter. It's like this man just disappeared into thin air. Right. And they were just, they just kept hitting roadblocks. In under two minutes. Yeah. Where did he fucking go? Did he hop in one of those you cars? Know what? Less than two minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even less than under two minutes. That yeah, sounds really dumb. But because from the time Rhoda placed the call mm-hmm. to the cop walking in was two minutes, he yeah. still had to fire five shots at least. Yeah, and vacate the store. Yep. You know so what where I mean? did he go? Was there a back door? Did he right. go out the back door? Did he, like, did he go out the front? I feel like the cop would have seen that. Right. Because he would have been like in the middle of the strip section. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also the clean manicured fingernails could tell you about a a profession right like he's clearly not a mechanic probably not a construction worker definitely not in february Um, yeah there's a theory that that he could have been a drug drug addict just like did he have taking money well (laughs) (laughs) the thing is if you're that bad of a drug addict where you need to go rob a store for drug money you're not i don't think you're going to care about your nails no you're not going to be manicuring your nails yeah so it's just really weird I don't, I don't know. Could be a barber. You have to wash your hands a lot. 
Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you get little hairs in there. Mm -hmm. So you have to make sure that you're scrubbing your nails out. That's true. I know all about that. Yeah, you do. Hmm. Just a theory. I didn't think about that. So, So some other theories that have come out are that the suspect was planning on robbing and killing more women as they came into the store. Just like... Oh, someone sure. comes in, he robs them, kills them. Sure. Someone comes in, robs them, kills them. Just like a cycle to well, keep right. getting more money. Because he was not planning on Rhoda being able to call. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? So we yeah. don't know. I don't know if maybe like her hair was covering her headset yeah. or something. But or I'm, he just wasn't thinking. God, I'm glad. I mean, I hate that it happened, but I'm glad it didn't have to yeah. be more and more and more and more like that. They were two minutes yeah. from surviving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That gives me the chills. I know. There's another theory. This one's mostly online. It's not a police theory. You'll see it on Reddit. But the theory is that the suspect is a woman. Really? And it, that they could have been a disgruntled customer looking for revenge. I don't know about that theory. I mean, the DNA doesn't rule out a trans woman, but sure. it just doesn't sit right with me. Well, but also the unnamed witness. Don't you think that she would have known? Yeah. I mean, unless, you know, yeah, I mean, unless... I mean, she she only worked it, weekends, so maybe, true. you know. And the composite sketch kind of, like, goes with that theory, too. Sure. Some people think it looks feminine. I don't know. I just, I feel in my, my gut. Your gut of which guts? Which is probably worth nothing. <laughs> but <laughs> I feel in my gut that it, it was a man. Hey, are you trusting all your guts? I'm trusting all of my guts. Uh-huh. Okay. There's another theory about the church in Crest Hill that Rhoda left I guess she left on bad terms over a disagreement Um, but police have really dug into that lead and they chased it all the way to Texas where the church relocated really yeah and it was a dead end well yeah because also that would have to be very planned because she wasn't supposed to work right that was like her normal day exactly so I mean uh, unless she was being like followed yeah right or or she was posting on did we have social media yeah right Facebook Mm -hmm. was like a thing yeah unless she posted hey I'm going into work today you know what I mean yeah but Mm -hmm. I feel like it wasn't in my gut of guts when I'm trusting all my guts I which is also worth nothing Mm -hmm. I feel like it was not a um like a personal I don't think so either any of them it was obviously planned out a little bit yeah because, because he had the papers he had the papers he had the story about yeah. a, d- a delivery he had the gun mm-hmm. with him but i just yeah i don't think it was personal no i, I really don't, don't. i feel like it was a one-off he mm-hmm. hopped on the fucking interstate and he's gone mm-hmm. so it's been 12 years since the lane bryant murders they still haven't caught the man who did it but it's an open case and they're still getting tips almost every day wow on the 10th anniversary of the murders in 2018 police released a new enhanced 3d image of the suspect which i will be sharing and it led to a bunch of leads and tips, but none of them led to their guy. God. Um, the case is still unsolved. So I'm going to close this out with an open letter written by the unnamed survivor. She wrote this to the loved ones and the families of the victims, and it was released to the press after the murders by the Tinley Park Police. Quote, On Saturday, February 2nd, an unspeakable tragedy occurred, and five of the bravest women I have ever met were senselessly murdered and taken from their families. My deepest sympathies and condolences go out to their families and friends. Please know that during the unfathomable events of that day, their thoughts were focused on you and coming home. My heart aches that they were unable to do so, and I am working with the authorities in any way possible for all of the victims. I ask that the media please respect all of our families and allow us to grieve and cope privately with the horrific crime that ripped our worlds apart. 
I also ask that everyone respect that neither I nor my family can discuss the horrible events of that day. I thank everybody who has expressed concern and ask that any person who can assist in the investigation contact the authorities immediately, end quote. So I'm going to be posting the composite sketches and all of this online, but if anyone has any information about the Lane Bryant murders, you're urged to call the Tinley Park Police Department at 708-444-5394. You can also call Cook County Crime Stoppers anonymously at 1-800-535-7867. And that's the story of the Lane Bryant murders. God. Mm-hmm. That's really fucking hard. Yeah. I think because there was so much, like, so Rhoda wasn't supposed to be there. Right. These women, by chance, went into that store mm-hmm. at that specific 40 minutes. Yeah. During that, during those 40 minutes. And Rhoda was wearing the headset. Two minutes. Yeah. Two minutes was all that separated life yep. and death for them. And this guy chose a women's clothing store. Yeah. Because he's a coward. He probably thought it would be just full of women who would be easily subdued. Yeah, fuck you. Yep. And the thing about mass shootings like that is almost 100% of the time, the shooter is apprehended right there. Right. Quickly. Right right there. This is very rare. Right. It's just so crazy. And it is. It's all because of the timing. Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. That's all it is. So as much as everyone probably fucking hated what you just talked about. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the same type of shit. All right. And you're going to hate me for it, too. Okay. But it's needed. Yeah. Yeah. Because these women go through this. And the least we can do is talk about it. I You know, they agree. had to actually experience it. And the least we can do is tell their stories. Especially in these unsolved ones where it only takes one fucking person who knows something. Yeah, exactly. To come forward. Yep. All right, I'm going to be telling you about three women who seemingly just up and vanished from 1717 East Del Mar Street in Springfield, Missouri. You guys all probably already know the case that I'm going to be talking about, probably by the title of this episode rather than the address that I just said. But I am going to be talking to you, Coven, about the Springfield Three. So a little bit of background information on these three beautiful women. We have 47-year-old mother, Cheryl Levitt, 19-year-old Suzanne Susie Streeter, Cheryl's daughter, and 18-year-old Stacy McCall, Susie's childhood best friend. Cheryl was a single mother. She worked as a cosmetologist. She fucking loved doing hair. Can't relate. No, but it was her passion. (laughs) Yeah. Loved it. She was such a people person, very different from you in that way. Like, uh, outward extrovert people person. There are some people who are just right for that profession. Loved to talk to people, loved meeting new people, loved having that same conversation over and over again. That's why, you guys, I did hair for over 10 years, and I, I stopped this year, and... That's fucking why. I'm yeah. not meant for that shit. You have to be yeah. special. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you have to be a certain yes. type of person. Yes, yes. That's not me. <laughs> and and you're you're woman enough to say that. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she just loved it. Her passion for doing hair and all things cosmetology even passed down to her daughter, Susie, who wanted to go to cosmetology school and kind of like follow in her mother's 
footsteps. Yeah. Now, Stacy, which was Susie's childhood best friend, was very into modeling and she was going to go to Southwest Missouri State. She was even like modeling for the bridal place in town, Aww. like wearing dresses and stuff. She was yeah. only like 5'2 or 5'3. Okay. But that didn't stop her yeah. from wanting to be a model. She's going for it. Yeah. Good for her. Now, Susie and Stacy were like fucking besties in elementary school, Mm -hmm. but in the beginning of high school, they kind of grew apart, you know, new friend groups, things going on, but by senior year, they grew closer again. Now, in 1991, Susie moved in with Mike Kovacs, which was her boyfriend at the time, into his grandmother's home, but not long after, they broke up and she moved back in with her mom in an apartment that they were currently living in. In October, Susie actually petitioned for a restraining order against Mike. Oh, no. She wrote that she was afraid of Mike and there was an immediate and present danger of abuse. Mike denied this, but he did say that they did get physical during the relationship. Okay, bitch. Mm -hmm. Well, that's enough for her to be afraid of you outside of a relationship, too. You don't just hurt someone inside a relationship. Right. Susie also filed a police report for slashed tires that she believed Mike and another woman did to her vehicle. Susie believed that she was in danger and wrote that she was being threatened over the phone. Mm. It was so bad that even when she was at work, her co-workers would have to walk her to her car. God. That's so scary because you know what? A restraining order? Yeah. But (sighs) at the end of the day, it's a piece of paper. Yep. Yep. Just like a marriage. And exactly. (laughs) And, okay, and a lot of the times the police won't do shit until they actually harm you. The court ended up granting Susie a 10-day restraining order prohibiting Mike from being near her. As we all know, he could not be around her workplace, her house, or her school. I did find a article that was in the paper in Springfield, Missouri, about this, like after everything had happened, Mm -hmm. right? So the headline is all called to the search, and this is obviously after they were already searching for her. But, you know, once the media starts getting a hold of things, they start digging up people's past, Mm -hmm. and this was the result. So, So this article says, quote, Susie Streeter obtained a restraining order against an ex-boyfriend seven months before she disappeared from a Springfield house Sunday with her mother and a friend. This was the sixth day that they had gone missing. So probably Saturday, I guess, okay. doing the math. I'm not, I'm not a mathematician. Carrying on with the quote. Streeter, 19, her mother, Cheryl Levitt, 47, and Streeter's friend, Stacy McCall, 18, vanished from Levitt's home early Sunday morning. Police say they have no leads in the case. According to Green County Circuit Court documents, on October 23rd, Streeter sought protection from Mike Kovacs, 17, a boyfriend that she had broken up with in September. Her sworn statement asking for the restraining order said Kovacs beat her up, slashed her car tires, threatened her by phone, and harassed her at home, school, and work. One line on Streeter's petition form reads, quote, I am afraid of respondent, Mike Kovacs, and there is an immediate and present danger of abuse to me. Friday, Kovacs said the allegations in Streeter's restraining order were not true. End quote. Fuck you. Yeah. Because why would she... People don't make that up. Right. For nothing. No. Like, what What did she have to gain from exactly. that? Exactly. You know? She just wanted fucking protection. That, that says so fucking much. She was mm-hmm. that afraid. Yeah. I, fu- I hate that. I hate that for her. Okay, so now I'm going to be talking to you about the actual day of the disappearance. 
June 6, 1992, Susie and Stacy graduated from Kickapoo High School at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and they were just basically fucking loving their downtime that they were about to have before college started. That feeling of freedom yes. when you graduate high school. Yeah, you oh, throw God. that fucking hat up in the air and you're like, bitches, I'm out. There's nothing like it. I also want to make just a very quick mention that I was listening to like several podcasts when I was doing research. One of the podcasts, which I actually love this podcast, um... And I'm not going to say it because I don't want to throw shade or anything, but I just wanted a little PSA here. Mm-hmm. Kickapoo is a Native American yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. These people on this podcast were making fun of it. Oh, boy. They didn't. Obviously, they. I don't think that they had any ill intention. They did not know what was a Native American right. thing. But because they were thinking, oh, was that a name? Oh, was that a place? Oh, what is that? Mm-hmm. That's a kickapoo. They were making fun of it. Yeah. I'm sure that was insulting to yeah. people. You know what I mean? So right. I just want to throw that out there. Please don't make fun of things like that. It's, yeah. It's, it's not cool. No. So after the graduation ceremony, Susie, Stacy, and a friend named Janelle took a photo together. And that photo is one of the last, if not the last photo of Susie and Stacy. <sighs> Susie went out for pizza with her mom to celebrate. And Stacy went out with her parents for dinner to celebrate. And then the three girls ended up meeting up to hop around like different graduation and different party, mm-hmm. different graduation parties at night. Yeah. The girls had decided that they wanted to go to Branson, Missouri, which oh. is a popular tourist attraction place in there, Missouri. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, to stay in a hotel, and then the next day they would be going to Whitewater Amusement Park. However, for some reason, they decided not to drive and stay at the hotel that night, but instead they went to Janelle's house. Maybe they just thought it was silly to drive late at night. Maybe they, their mom, their other moms were like, no, I don't think you should do that. Yeah. They were trying to like be grown ups and stuff, right. but maybe they kind of did listen to their moms, but they didn't want to say that. Yeah, true. Um, or maybe they just didn't want to fucking spend the money. That's very you know? true as well. When they already had places to stay. Yeah. So the three girls went to a party at a classmate named Brian's home and Janelle called her mom around 930 that night and told her that they weren't going to Branson that night, as did Stacy, but rather they would go in the morning. Okay. Now around 1245 in the morning, the women left Brian's house and they went to another party in Springfield. This was at a woman named Michelle's house. The party was very short lived for them, though, because just before 2 a.m. police came and shut that shit down. Oh, shit. Yeah. So the three girls then went to Janelle's house to stay, and they found out that it was way too crowded because there was, like, family in from out of town for the graduation, obviously. Mm -hmm. So Stacy and Susie, now I should mention, Janelle's mom offered for them to stay, like, she would get pallets out and blankets and pillows and stuff, but the girls were like, no, we don't really want to sleep like that. Yeah. Um, And Susie had gotten a new waterbed, which is so fucking 90s, right? (laughs) My aunt and uncle had a waterbed. Somebody I, I remember, in. someone I knew had one. Uh-huh. So fucking weird. And Susie and Stacy ended up going to Susie's house, where her mom Cheryl was, to sleep. So Susie and Stacy, Susie was like, hey, Stacy, just follow me to my house. We'll sleep. And then in the morning, we can wake up and we'll go early. Mm-hmm. So Janelle was supposed to meet them at Susie's house in the morning with her boyfriend. And then they would all leave for Branson. Okay. They told Janelle that they would call her and then everything would be good to go. The last known sighting of Stacy and Susie was on Battlefield Road. So Janelle lived in Battlefield, not Springfield. Okay. So like on their way, you know. Yeah. People supposedly maybe saw their cars or something around 2.30. And a lot of the roads in town were still like hustling and bustling because of the big ceremony. There was lots of people in town. Yeah. It was just a big night. 
So Cheryl was last heard from between 11 and 11.30 that night. Remember, that's Susie's mom. She was working on a project and talking to a friend on the phone. Now, the project, some people say that that project was refinishing a dresser. Mm -hmm. Some people say other things, but regardless, she was talking to a friend on the phone and working on something at her house. Okay. So let's talk about the last known moments because everything from here on out is pure speculation because we don't know what happened to these three women. Now, no one has had any contact with Cheryl, Susie, her daughter, or Stacy, the friend, from here on out. There are so many discrepancies and different versions of all of this. Like I said, I had listened to like three or four podcasts on this. Mm -hmm. I looked on, obviously, like Wikipedia, um news channel websites um old articles like there were so many different things and write-ups and even i think it was susie's brother has a blog like there's so many different things okay um but they all say different things right and it's conflicting so i'm just gonna go with one thing and there's going to be discrepancies i know this don't at me there's there people don't know right you know yeah okay so this is a quote from a write-up piece online and i'll have it linked quote from there this is what the investigators have put together Susie and stacy arrived at Susie and cheryl's house they changed removed their makeup and got into bed Susie and stacy's clothes and graduation gowns were in Susie's room two washcloths with makeup on them were in the bathroom cheryl and Susie's beds appeared to have been slept in Susie's tv was on and her dog cinnamon was left out and about in the house all three of the women's purses were heaped together in Susie's room with That's all weird. three sets of car keys, right? Huh. I'll add more on that. Susie and Cheryl's cigarettes were still there. Stacy didn't smoke. And all three cars were in the driveway. They had like a U-shaped driveway. Okay. The front porch light was on, but the globe covering it, like the encasement, was shattered on the porch in front of the door. Susie's graduation cake was in the fridge. End quote. Uh. Okay, there's a few things to unpack here. I don't make my bed every day. No. So we don't know if they were in bed or not. I don't it could have just been messed up. Ever. It, it's very seldom when I make yeah. my bed. So that does not mean anything. Right. Could it mean that they were sleeping in the beds? Of course it could. I could see if all of the purses and keys were together, if they were like down by the front door. Right. Because like they were getting, re- you know, they wanted to have everything ready for when yeah. they left. But also Cheryl wasn't going. So why was her purse lumped in a thing with theirs? And they weren't having a party there. No. I was going to say, if, no, if there there's was a no party, party there, then yeah, usually you take that stuff and you put it all in one room. Exactly. Like no. coats and nope. purses. No okay. party. Cigarettes. If you're a smoker, mm-hmm. you're not going to leave your cigarettes when you leave the house willingly. Right. Purses. You're not going to leave. No. You don't leave that willingly when you leave. No. I did. Someone, one of the podcasts I was listening to was talking about the globe, the, the porch light. Yeah. That could have happened easily, not from someone like shooting it out or like punching it. Could have happened just from a, a slam of the door. Right. Like if you slam it hard enough and you're, it's not on there well yeah. or it's old, that could have definitely There's happened. a lot. Of, yeah. There's a lot of different uh, ways that could go. Yeah. So that's just a few things there. Okay. So, in the morning, Janelle calls Susie's house several times before leaving a message on the home's answering system. Because back in that day, houses still had answering answering machines. She, so Janelle had just assumed that maybe Susie and Stacy were still sleeping. They did have a late night, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? But they did plan on driving that day and going to Whitewater Amusement Park. So, yeah. it was just kind be, of out of the ordinary. Yeah, you think they'd be up and excited and exactly. ready to go. Mm-hmm. 
So after a while, after Janelle kept calling and she couldn't get a hold of them, Janelle and her boyfriend ended up just driving over to Susie's house somewhere between 8 and 9 in the morning. Okay. And all three vehicles, like I said, were sitting outside. So Janelle was like, okay, they must be sleeping. Like, let's go wake, let's go wake them up. Mm-hmm. Investigators from this piece of information from Janelle believe that Susie and Stacy made it to the house perfectly fine. Okay. So their cars are there. They did not have any reason to think somebody would drive the cars and park them there. Why would they? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? For what reason? And plus the mom wasn't with them earlier. Exactly. So as Janelle made her way up to the house, she noticed the porch light had fallen to the ground and shattered, like that quote mentioned. The bulb wasn't smashed. It was still on the house, but the encasement had fallen and shattered on the ground. Which definitely leads me to believe it wasn't any kind of like blunt force because the light bulb shatters easily. Yeah, if you're trying to get rid you of the light I mean? to not be yes. seen, then you don't you, just do the outside exactly, of it. Exactly. Yeah. Janelle's boyfriend ended up sweeping up the broken glass, which in hindsight, obviously we all know is a big no-no because this ended up being a crime scene. But right. they didn't know that they at the time. They had no way of knowing. No idea. He was just trying to be nice. Mm-hmm. Janelle and her boyfriend ended up knocking. No one answered. The door was unlocked, so they went into the house. They noticed that the TV was on and a static screen was playing, which is like creepy, right? Oh, I hate that. Not all of the sources said that, but a couple of them did. Yeah. Now, the beds were unmade, like I mentioned, which could mean one of two things. People were sleeping in it before or they don't make their beds, Yeah, (laughs) like I said. So we have no real idea about that. Also, just to mention, investigators later found out that Cheryl's purse had $800 in it. Oh, so that's it wasn't a, a robbery. To, yeah. That's There's a lot no way it was just like though. a random robbery, right? Yeah. I think it was like her deposit or something. She was oh. going to go to the bank. It, maybe it was tips from yeah, the past few weeks. True. It was said that she had a lot of clients and yeah. she was very, very busy. There was also a check in her purse that needed to be deposited at the bank as well. Now, this is when Janelle really started to think that something was up. Like the vehicles are in the driveway. The purses are in the house. The keys are in the house. Mm-hmm. None of the women are here. Something is definitely going on. There was no crazy evidence of a crime scene, no blood, no evidence of a struggle, none at all. So while Janelle had a bad feeling, she had no idea the extent of what was truly going on. Now, Cheryl and Susie had a Yorkie named Cinnamon, which I think was mentioned in that quote. And the dog was not only just left out and about in the house, but it was super fucking stressed out. Like yapping and barking and like running all over the place, just not acting normal. Yeah. Like, sure, there are people in the house that aren't normally there, but you can tell a lot of the time when an animal, a pet specifically, is stressed out. Mm Mm-hmm. He was, like, frantically barking, but he wasn't trying to, like, lunge or bite them. He was just, like, trying to be like, hey, something is wrong yeah, here. Yeah, probably all shaky. And yeah, pets scared. have instincts. Uh-huh. They're not the fucking brightest things in the world, but they have instincts just like yeah. we do. They're just different. So she's already thinking things are weird, but then the phone rings, and she's like, oh, good, maybe that's them, and they somehow think, you know, they're calling to say something, yeah. or they need help, and they assume that I would be here. But instead of it being someone, like, informative about what's going on, It's a male voice that is saying sexually explicit, lewd things in her ear. We have no idea what was said on the phone call because it was never released, but we all have imaginations, right? It was some creepy fucking loser who was trying to scare her, and she hangs up quickly, but the dude calls back again. This leads me to think someone was watching the house. And, and knew that they were there. It was way back when we didn't have cell phones. It would have right. had to have been like a neighbor calling on a house phone. Right. Right. That fucking creeps me out. Mm-hmm. And also, how do you take three women? Exactly. You have a gun. Right. You're not going to take them that far without being seen. You took them fucking next door. 
Now I'm like implicating their neighbors. You never know. <laughs> it's true. You never know. You what if they know. were right next door the whole fucking time? Yeah. Now, the police have not deemed these two phone calls as evidence or anything tied to the disappearance of these three women. They think it was unrelated entirely. Really? But I'll tell you more about that in a moment. So after this disgusting fucking creepo man calls for the second time, Janelle hangs up on him and she and her boyfriend get the fuck out of there. They just sense obviously something is really messed up. Yeah. So it turns out Stacy's mom still thinks that Stacy is at Janelle's house because that's the last she heard like around 930 when they said they weren't going to Branson. Yeah. She was upset and confused when a family member at Janelle's house told her she wasn't there. Stacy probably didn't think it was a big deal. She was just going to Susie's house, an old friend that she had spent the night with hundreds of times, I'm sure. And she didn't want to call her mom at like 2 a.m. when mm-hmm. they got there and right. wake her up. So what sucks even more is that Janice didn't know the address of Susie's oh, house no. because they had just moved there okay. from an apartment. So she ends up talking to Janelle's family. She gets the address for Susie's house. Um, she looked in the phone book at first. She was, she remember the phone books? They yeah. had our addresses in them. Mm-hmm. And she just goes over there because she's like, I can't get a hold of my daughter. I need to talk to her. So on Sunday, June 7th, she got to Susie and Cheryl's house and she went in because she knocked no one answered the door wasn't locked Mm -hmm. the TV was still on like Janelle mentioned and she noticed that her daughter's belongings were in the house but her daughter was nowhere to be found could you imagine no her car her keys her swimming suit it was all there everything was in a neat pile like maybe she was getting ready to go Mm -hmm. and then something happened Janice ends up calling the police. It's been 16 hours since the girls were last seen. It's been a substantial amount of time since she talked to her daughter and she's like, I need to report my daughter missing. I don't know what's going on. You can just imagine like your fucking fear and anxiety bubbling to the surface, right? Because there's nothing that you can immediately do Absolutely. Now, some sources said Janelle deleted the voicemails from the creepy guy because there were voicemails on the phone too. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Some people said Janice did, but either way, somehow the message got deleted, which was also evidence or could have been if the police would have heard it, maybe. Yeah. But since they didn't, they couldn't do anything about it. So word got out and family and friends of, you know, Cheryl and Susie and Stacy and Janelle's family. People had came over to Susie and Cheryl's house. They were cleaning the house up. They were getting things in order, not really knowing what to do with themselves. Mm -hmm. They were trying to be helpful, but coven. We all know you can't fuck with a crime scene. Right. The problem is they didn't think it was a true crime scene. Yeah. They didn't. Yeah. They were worried. They didn't know what was going on. But I'm sure in none of their wildest imaginations did they think that this was going to be still happening. Right. Exactly. Decades later. Yep. So police agreed to file a missing person report for the three women. But since the call came in at nighttime, it was like 16 hours, like I said, mm-hmm. they decided that Janice should just wait until the morning and then come by the police station to give them all the information that they would need to proceed with the missing person reports. Just wait. Just hang on. Okay. Just don't come in yet. Yeah. It's okay. It's not a big uh, deal. Just three grown uh, missing women. Oh, they ran away. Yeah. It's <laughs> all right. Their cars, their purses, their keys, their money. It's all in the house. They're not there, but it's yeah. fine. Just wait till the God. morning. We need some sleep. Why does it always go like that? <sighs> I don't know, but it's <laughs> frustrating. The One of the really weird things is it's reported that the officer who took the phone call from Janice said the following, quote, could you try to obtain the dental records of your daughter? No. Oh, End quote. What the fuck? Yeah. My thing here is if you think that you might need dental records, why the fuck would you wait until morning yeah. to have them come in and file a, per- a missing persons report? Right. 
Right. You don't just ask a mother for dental records. Right. Ooh, Unless you have remains to exactly compare them to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they fucking don't. And it wasn't a big deal before, but now we need dental records. Yeah. Okay. So Janice ended up staying up all night, obviously, not Uh only from worrying about her daughter, Stacy, but she was also collecting photos of the women, photos of her daughter, writing down relevant information about their appearances for the police. Mm -hmm. They eventually ended up making flyers. They handed out about 40,000 flyers very quickly. They were doing just about anything that they could think of to get the word out about these three missing, beautiful young women. And I'm saying young about Cheryl, too, because she was 47. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, God. So days go by with no leads. But suddenly a tip comes in. A waitress working at George's Breakfast, one of Cheryl and Susie's favorite spots, claimed to see the three women at the restaurant between 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. on the night of the women's disappearance. All Mm. three of them. So police ended up following up on this one tip that they had, the one lead, and no one aside from the waitress was able to help corroborate her story. Uh, So nothing much came of that. Right. So let's talk about the sussy suspects. Okay. So police are trying to patch together what little info they have in order to find suspects <laughs> anyway, right. you know. So the very first person they look into is Bart Streeter, which is Susie's older brother, by nine years. In the 1980s, Bart ended up being kicked out of Cheryl's house because he was an alcoholic. And Cheryl didn't agree with him drinking so heavily, so she basically told him to either follow her rules that she sets in her home, mm-hmm. or he can get the fuck out. Yeah. And he got the fuck out. Yeah, well. For 10 years, he got out. In 1991, he came back to the Springfield area after he and his girlfriend broke up. He got back in touch with his family, and Susie and Bart ended up getting an apartment together. But Bart was having a really tough time, and he ended up relapsing and going back to alcohol. Bart and Susie ended up having a physical altercation during one of their arguments, and Susie moved back in with Cheryl. He ended up being cleared by the police. It's said that the disappearance of his mom and sister literally to the day still eats him up inside, Mm -hmm. and the guilt of their rocky history, the way he left them, the alcoholism, the way he came back, but he and his sister fought... Now, another report also talked about another ex-boyfriend. At least I think it's another ex-boyfriend because these guys are Dustin and Michael. Okay. The report said Dustin was the boyfriend and Michael was the boyfriend's best friend. All right. And she had already dated this other Michael. Mm -hmm. So it could have been people getting things confused. But what this ex and his friend were doing were breaking into mausoleums. No. Vandalizing them, stealing gold teeth from dead bodies. No. Oh, isn't that just fucking vile? We don't do that. We don't. As a, as a, you and I don't. As a humanity. Yeah. Okay. Susie found out, obviously, and she broke up because it's a pretty big fucking deal. Yeah. Um, and I guess they were pissed off. Michael was pissed off. Fuck off, Michael. Yeah. You don't get to do whatever you want. Bullshit yeah. stuff like that, and then still get your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, you don't get a girlfriend no. when you're a loser. No, sorry, you don't get to have one. It's reported that the boys said that they wished all three of the women were dead, but there's not a lot to go off on that either. Mm-hmm. Neither of them had alibis for the night they went missing. They're still considered POIs, but yeah. we don't really know a whole lot. Now, another lead that they had was around 6.30 in the morning, the morning like the every, like shit hit the fan, right? Yeah. A woman who was relaxing and sitting on her front porch saw a Dodge panel van from the 60s or 70s. She informed police of this via a tip. She said that this van had a woman and man in it. And the woman was in the driver's seat. She apparently looked very distraught. And the man in the passenger seat told her to back out of the driveway slowly and not do anything stupid. 
Hmm. I don't know. It's fishy, mm-hmm. right? Or is it? Maybe. I don't is know. Is it just like a looky-loo neighbor who wants to right. like insert themselves? That's what a lot of people thought. Feel important. The tip didn't come in right away either, but the witness said she didn't know that those women were missing until she saw it on the news. Okay. But wouldn't you think that you would report that? Yeah. I mean, if you're, you heard you're that. hearing someone say, don't act stupid and back out slowly. Right. You know, the woman said that Susie was a driver after seeing her on the news and the police bought a model van that matched the description of the one that the woman on the porch supposedly saw and they put the missing women's information on it on this van and parked it out front of the police station to see if anyone would remember seeing it or could provide them with more information. Okay. Janice kept fucking going. So Janice is Stacy's mom, mm-hmm. trying her fucking damnedest to get news coverage for her daughter, Susie and Cheryl. She talked to anyone that would listen, and eventually a Florida tip came in after seeing the story of the three women on a national news bulletin. Hmm. The tip gave the name of this Robert dude, okay? So police added him to the suspect list. Robert allegedly murdered Sharon Zeller while she was on her way home from work. This case has so many twisty turns. Yeah. So we're talking about Robert and Sharon now. On the the night of this woman, Sharon Zeller's disappearance, Robert was staying in a hotel with his parents. He was in town to celebrate his graduation from basic training. He was going to be an army ranger. Now, Robert ended up leaving the hotel at some point in the night and going out without his parents, only to come back in hours later, blood covering his entire body. Oh, randomly, right? A little suspicious, yeah. I would say. Also, I didn't mention this, but part of his tongue was missing. What the fuck? Yeah. So he ended up going to the ER and he told the doctor and nurses that he Uh, bit it off himself. Oh. Sure you did, buddy. Okay. Sure you did, Robert. However, only a short while later, after he went into the emergency room, Sharon Sellers' body was found 100 feet from the hotel that Robert was staying in. Oh my God. So naturally, police ended up interviewing him, but they weren't able to charge him due to a lack of evidence. How, where is his tongue? How much more do you need? Right? Where is the tongue at? Did he swallow it, maybe? Right. I guess I would have. Or did she swallow it? Maybe. Because he tried to stick it in her mouth Mm -hmm. and she didn't fucking want that. That's exactly what I pictured. He tried to like approach her and put his tongue in her mouth. Yeah. And she was like, get the fuck off of me. And he wouldn't, you know? Ladies, don't be afraid to bite a dick that you don't want. Bite a you. dick, bite a tongue, bite a whatever the fuck you need to bite to get the fuck Just out of start that situation. Chomping. So, since they couldn't charge him, he ended up leaving. He fled to California. In 1985, he ended up being found guilty of abduction and assault twice. Not once, oh. twice. Oh, abduction. A real damn common denominator here, yeah. right? Yeah. This man also worked with Stacy's father at one point. Oh. At, a, at an auto body shop. All right. Now, are you ready to get real angry? I guess. This has been a a common theme here. Buckle up and saddle in. All right. Robert was indicted on murder charges eventually of Sharon Seller. He was found guilty. While on trial, he was sentenced to life with no parole. He was even placed on death row. But then, because they didn't have the evidence, he was released. No. Released. After you're already Into the public. God damn it. He moved to live by or with his parents. I didn't care to look that up because I don't give a fuck about him. He's a waste of life. And that was in Springfield in 1992, only months prior to Cheryl, Susie, and Stacy disappeared. What the fuck? Remember, he worked with her dad at the auto body shop. Like, Mm -hmm. and she would like go in there to bring her dad. Stacy would go in there to bring her dad lunch and stuff. So he knew her. Right. He's seen her before. When police questioned him in regards to the missing three women, his girlfriend at the time said he was with her that night. And in the morning, they planned to go to church. Mm. Sure you did. Mm. It wasn't until years later that we find out that that wasn't true and the girlfriend reportedly lied to cover up for him. So where is he? 
So what the fuck's happening? He was arrested in Texas in 1995 for pulling a weapon on a minor. Well, what do you a know? A 12-year-old girl. God, fuck you. He's been serving jail time now for robbery, but police have named him as one of the prime suspects in the three women's disappearance. Have they interviewed him about it? They've interviewed him multiple times. There was even a television interview. You can find it still, I think. In that television interview, he said that the three women are dead and the person who committed the murders was incredibly experienced and the person was close to Springfield. When the police asked how he knew this information, but he wasn't confessing, he basically just gave them the runaround, although he does not confess to their murders. Hmm. He just says that he knows that they're dead. He just knows. Oh, he just know. Just knows. He just looking. He wasn't fucking experienced. Ball. He got his fucking tongue bit off. Yeah. How wor- how terrible can you be? Right. So is he saying that he did it and he's trying to be like, hmm. right? Whoever right. did that is fucking amazing. Look at all the shit that I did. And yeah. You know what I mean? It's now been nearly thirty years since the disappearances of Cheryl Levitt, Susie Streeter, her daughter, and Stacy McCall, and things are just as mysterious as they were in the beginning. I think it's safe to say that this case has gone extremely, extremely, extremely cold throughout the decades. Yeah. Okay, so do you want to talk about theories? Okay. So we talked about suspects that they named the police. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about theories and then we can let the coven sound off in the group. Okay. So the entire time I was researching, I was thinking it was someone after Cheryl, the mom. Mm -hmm. She's a super beautiful woman, great fucking personality, well-liked in the community, knew a lot of people in the community. I felt like someone was out for her, maybe Mm -hmm. jealousy, spite, I don't know. But if that was the case, why didn't they attempt this before all three women were home? Right. It's hard enough to to hurt or abduct or kill one woman, let alone three. Mm -hmm. Like, you're outnumbered. That's what I was going to say. Right. I feel like no one person in their right mind would go into a home with three women and have everything go so clean cut. No crime scene, no nothing. Right. Unless they were drugged or a gun was involved to scare them. Like, hey, get over here. Like the Lane Bryant type of thing. Right. Or it was someone that they knew. Exactly, and trusted, and they let them in. Who wouldn't have been out of place there, yeah. Now, all three cars were in the driveway, like I said, so anyone who had pre-planned this would know multiple, multiple people were in the home. It's not like they got in and it was a surprise. Right. Unless... Unless someone was already in there with Cheryl when the girls got home True. at 2 a.m. I never thought about that till right now. And so the girls someone. walked in on that mm-hmm. happening. And that was a surprise to the girls, to Cheryl, and to the, the abductor, killer, whatever he yeah. is. Or I didn't think about that till now. Cheryl had a date. Mm-hmm there mm-hmm. have you ever seen those ones where people will like come up to the door and the security camera will catch them and they'll be knocking and saying hey my car broke down mm-hmm. can i use your phone can i use your toilet can i clean up yeah could have been something like that too it was 1992 yep. a ruse yeah you know but who knows where this is all theory and speculation mm-hmm. there was some web sleuth who came forward saying he spoke to a psychic and said that they were buried in a certain location that he believes they were buried under this like parking garage built for like this complex thing that mm-hmm. was being built it might have been a mall or it was a complex I people remember say this, different yeah. things um some sources said it was a mall some said it was a complex so i don't know what it was but it was just someone saying that they were thrown in there basically didn't they use technology to see if they were there am i ruining your story sorry (laughs) this was something that the police didn't take very seriously because of the impeccable timing that would have needed to happen for this right it would need to happen between like excavating and pouring concrete but it has happened before. Mm-hmm. Like, people have thrown people in like that and yeah. got their bodies covered up. Mm-hmm. Now, there was some, like, uh, scanner thing that showed three anomalies underneath the garage that resembled what bodies in graves look like. But this doesn't mean anything for sure. Right. But three anomalies, three missing women. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. It is kind of strange. Right. Um, but it's possible. But police would just never look into it. Yeah. Which That's is weird, crazy. too, to me. Yeah. Because people offered to pay for yeah. this. Because if it's money, then... Exactly. Why Why not do What's, it? Why can't you? Yeah. To me, the whole issue of needing it to be impeccably timed would kind of make sense. Mm-hmm. Right? Because what if this person was only planning on taking Cheryl and hiding her body there and the other women were there? Yeah. And this perp knew he or she needed to do it that night so he could put her in there. You know what they would do on Criminal Minds? What? They would have seen who was working that construction site and seen if they had any connection yeah. to any of the women. Yeah, that's true. Um. So even if all three women were home, he would have had to do it that night mm-hmm. before they poured the concrete exactly, in the morning. Which he, he would have to work for either the concrete people or mm-hmm. the builders or mm-hmm. some, you know, he'd he have, have to, to know, know somehow. But that was just one of the one of the things that I thought before, you know, how now I just said, well, maybe they stumbled in there and they yeah. didn't know. But I was thinking before maybe, you know. He had to do it that night. Right. That was the timing because yeah. he had to get the bodies in there. Yeah. Um, another theory talks about human trafficking because believe it or not, that was a thing then too. It's all, it's been a thing for decades. Mm-hmm. We, it's always been happening. Um, they were close to a major interstate. Mm-hmm. So it could have definitely been, you know, yeah. these three women. They People don't talk about it enough because they think, you know, it's just someone who follows you around in Walmart and abducts you. Mm-hmm. That happens. Absolutely. It's rare. It happens. It's very it, rare, it, but it, it can does. happen. But there are also, I was doing a lot of research on human trafficking, and they mm-hmm. have like whole teams of people. And there's other ones, you know, that Katie has talked about too, but they also have like whole ass teams of people who stalk people who wait mm-hmm. and they watch months. Yeah. They learn routines they learn what time people come home they learn the the layout of the houses yeah they go in they get the the people and they jump on highways Mm -hmm. and that's that's why everything is so fucking clean and to the point right right because they know yeah you know this to me though feels personal this one i feel like it feels personal too but what do Um, i know really but well yeah it's just it's just there's something I, that makes me think it's like some fucking stupid egghead guy. Yeah, I feel I feel the same. Had way. a grudge or got got rejected. Uh-huh. You know, mm-hmm. I feel the same way. Um, also, the, just a, a very the very last theory. Um, maybe it was planned for both Cheryl and Susie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because whoever this was maybe didn't know that Susie would be out at parties. Right. You know, and Stacy was just there at an incredibly fucking inopportune time. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Yeah. No one does. God. But that's the case of the Springfield Three. It's so crazy. I can't imagine living, being a relative or friend and just going on mm-hmm. with, that would mm-hmm. fucking make me crazy. Mental. Because Maybe there's nothing even worse you can than do. I yeah. And they yeah. just, there's so many fucking twists and turns and fucking peaks and valleys and like, yeah. you think you get a lead and then you don't and it doesn't pan out. And yeah. there's, there's three women mm-hmm. who went missing together. That doesn't fucking happen. Right. How somebody, I don't know how anyone did this. Yeah. Unless they drugged them, they stuck needles in them and drugged them. Or they coerced them but with a weapon. But that's a, a lot of like dead weight three to-, to carry three times. Yeah. I Ugh. mean, it's just, it, it's crazy to me. It makes me think that maybe more than one person was involved. Yeah. However, if more than one person was involved and it was a personal thing, it wasn't like some professional team. Mm-hmm. Um. You would think that one or the other would have slipped up by now or yeah. got mad at the other one and said something. Yeah. I don't that's know. that's how it goes. I don't know. I don't know. I'm leaning towards uh, it's someone that they knew that they would be comfortable letting in, that yeah. they would be comfortable following somewhere maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You know? 
I just hate, I hate that for those women and the families and the friends in the entire Springfield yeah, community. That's awful. Um, shout out to Jen Rogue because she did a long time ago, right? Mm-hmm. Told us about this case and to do it. We had heard of it before, of course, yeah. but this is um, one that, that Jen Rogue had brought up and I'm glad that she did because I wouldn't have remembered yeah. to like do it, you know? Maybe, Jen, if you know of any like theories that are well known yeah. in in your air in that area because people always talk more and have more uh, routes that people could have taken yeah. and did were any of them not really liked did any of them just have a fight because people online make shit up right you know what i mean there was so many things online that were just straight opinion pieces it's just theory you know what i yeah. mean and it's like you can't use that right you know so mm-hmm. it was very difficult to get accurate research i really fucking hope that i did mm-hmm. because there were so many different fucking moving pieces of this puzzle so hopefully i did that justice but um yeah if you guys know anything about it as usual katie will put up the post about um like commenting on it and like Mm -hmm. what are your your theories and your speculations so i'm sure a lot of you know the springfield three case a lot of podcasts have done it a lot of you might not know about the lane bryant ones because that one's not as talked about it's really not as talked about it isn't Mm -hmm. um we hope that you sound off in the facebook group okay katie reading watching listening I'm still reading What Lies Between Us by John Mars, who is not, in fact, a woman. No? No. <laughs> you found out. Okay. Yeah. I followed him on Instagram. Oh. Um, it's good so far. It's it's got, It's got fucking twisty as hell. There's these things going on, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And I was I'm actually like, going to ask you what it was called the other day, because I was going to download it. Yeah, What Lies Between Us. I also got an ebook called Murder in Chicago by Les McDonald, and I got that one to help with research for this episode. Uh-huh. Um, but there's some other ones in there that I had never heard of. So really? I've kind of just been browsing that. Yeah, just yeah, light just reading for, my for a nice summer day. Yep. <laughs> watching, we started watching Lovecraft Country, and it's like my new fucking favorite show. Yeah. Every single actor on there is goddamn phenomenal. Really? It's so crazy. Okay, so you know little Denise from Full House? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's, she's on there. Journey Smollett. Okay. She plays Letitia fucking Lewis. She's so fucking good. She's perfect for this show. Yeah. I haven't seen her in anything since Full House. I know she has no. worked a lot. Yeah. She's been in a lot of movies and stuff, but I've, I've just never seen them. Um, But it's so fucking crazy. She's so good. She's so fucking good. You have to watch it. I'll try. I've also been watching. You're going to think I'm fucking crazy. Probably. I've actually been on YouTube. Really? I'm not watching these fucking lifestyle people. Well, no. Or Why the fuck people. would you? Yeah. I'm watching videos, tours of abandoned shopping malls. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of I shit like that on there. I love it. Abandoned mansions, abandoned yes. houses, um, investigation videos. It's yeah. crazy. It's a whole world. I'm not really listening to anything. I'm listening no. to nothing. Oh, okay. Nothing. That's unusual for you. That's a little cruel and unusual. <laughs> okay. What about you? I am reading a... Let's see. I'm actually reading one of our very own coven members, ARC books, and that's Cat Savage. Hey, the Cat Savage. The one who had our QOTW. Yeah, twice in one episode, Cat. Um, that's called One More Chance. It's coming out soon. I'll leave everything in the, obviously, in the show notes and all over our social media. Um, but I'm reading an ARC, and it says that I am 17% in. I just got it over the weekend, so mm-hmm. that's good for me. Good. Okay. Um, but it's really good. That's It's my favorite book of her so far. Oh, good. Um, I'm also reading... The Gorgeous Slaughter from Christina Hart. Oh, yeah. I it's the get first that. book that she's put out for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only 10% into that. 
because I feel like Kat's more time sensitive because I need to get a review up. Yeah. Um, it's fucking fun. Christina's writing is just... It's insane. Mm-hmm. She's so fucking good. I'm not really listening to anything. I listened to a couple podcasts. It'll be linked um, just because I was doing research, mm-hmm. but I haven't been able to like listen for pleasure. Yeah. Um, and you know me, I don't watch TV, <laughs> but I do have my list going of recommendations that people have given me. You used to watch me. TV. I did. And I need to get back to it. I'm trying to make more time for myself. In the mornings, I started not working yeah. at all until like 9 a.m., no, like, work work, no podcast work, mm-hmm. no book work, just working out. Yeah. But I think that that's, that's all. All right. You can send us an email at cruelandunusualthepod at gmail.com. If you have cases you would like us to cover, if you have recommendations, stories, do that. You can see our Instagram at cruelandunusualthepod. I tweet at cruelunusualpod. Cruel, unusual, pud. Come join our Facebook group. That is Cruel and Unusual, colon, the group. Our Patreon is in our link tree. Our website, which is crueling.media.com. Crueling.media.com. Dot com. That's in our link tree, too. That's got our merch. That's got stuff about our books. You know, you know the drill. You know the drill. You know how it goes, guys. God, do you not know by now? If you don't, <sighs> sit you on do. your hands. <laughs> That's all she fucking wrote, guys. We will see you next week with a brand new motherfucking episode. hold on. By the way, our Tuesday episodes are going to be like on hold for a little bit. We'll do them when we can. It's just... Life is hard. Life is a lot. But we'll be here every Thursday, okay? Yeah. We're not getting rid of those ones, okay? All right, guys. We love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.